Welcome back to the Legal Weekly Wine. I am Virginia Tarani. And I'm Chelsea Rogers. And we are here with Tarani Law LLC because you never need a lawyer till you do. All right. As the weekly wine, we discuss, and here I go, this is, it's been a faulty start. This is about the second or third time we've tried to start. It is a day. We are just, <laughs> hence the wine. Um, so that's yep. the wine part of the legal weekly wine. Yes. The legal part of the weekly wine, um, with it being this week, it is currently, got it, is it the 19th, 20th? I don't know. Of January. We're in January. It's whatever this Friday Last is. Last Friday was the 13th, so it has to be the 20th. 19th. No, seven days. 20th? I don't know. I went to law school because I can't do math. (laughs) (laughs) This is the second time where we say we can't do maths, right? Look, we are driving the struggle bus into (laughs) into the end of this week. (laughs) Yes, we are. Um, Yes, that's why we are here for happy hour. Absolutely. Um, On Friday afternoon, um, the 20th of January. And we hope that you're joining us too. Grab a glass of wine, a glass of whatever you would like. Um, We are here drinking wine. And the topics we're going to hit that we think are the hottest legal topics in the U.S. this week, we have to hit Elon Musk. Of course. Right. I mean, that's the big one. Yes. Um, We're going to go into more description, but Elon Musk is currently on trial, civil trial um, in California, not criminal, civil trial going on this week. Federal court. Federal court jury selection happened. We had opening statements. We've had audio that we've been able to pick up here and there, um, but it's not, you can't watch it on live on video. So we're picking Mm -hmm. up what we can. We've at least got a broad basis that I think is fairly interesting. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. And then we are going to hit, there's another one that Mm -hmm. isn't as visible. Right. But I think is a very hot topic. Absolutely. Um, And I want to call out um, our Twitter friends who brought it up to our attention. Um, Not specifically to us, but we follow them. Um, On TikTok. Yeah. The law says what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's their their handle for TikTok or their name on TikTok is the law says what? They're two, um, they're a married couple from Harvard Mm -hmm. um, Law, and they give great descriptions of cases and legal issues. And the one that they were talking about that that we picked up on and want to cover this week is a terrible case from Louisiana where a confidential informant was sent in by the police department in Louisiana, one of the police departments. And during the undercover buy, she was assaulted. Yeah. So she's now suing them. Yes, Yes. she is now suing them, which is why it's come up on our radar for the hottest legal topics. And we do a lot of, for for those of you who don't know us, um, Tarani Law handles... Um, accident injuries. So a lot of personal injury mm-hmm. cases yep. where we do civil cases. I've done a lot of criminal <laughs> cases in my life, but right now we're focused on civil. And I think it's a really good place mm-hmm. to discuss this case because yes. it has a lot of criminal implications, but the civil ones are are things that people don't always think of. Yeah. It's another avenue for sort of some sort of uh, justice, if there is that. It, 
yeah, for, for what yeah. it can be. If if there is any anywhere, and I'm a lawyer and she's a law student, we're questioning what is justice and can you get it? That's a big question. It is a big question. But it also shows just between these two cases, and I think we'll throw in, sprinkle in some other fun yes. headlines that we've seen. Yes, but wait for a third one. If you get to the end, um, at the end of our drinking of wine and the end of yes. this program for the tougher ones, we're going to try a more a lighter one. A very fascinating note. That yes, so stay tuned. Um, yes, but this just shows the two main cases we're covering today show sort of the broad swath that civil law like covers, right? You have these very, very different cases, but are both sort of under the same umbrella. Exactly. And we're going to hit the same terms that we do. And we're going to talk about those. I I love the civil law. I never thought I would say that. Yes. Um, but I swear for those of you who are listening that it is just as fascinating, I'm um, not necessarily always as salacious, but just as fascinating. Can be. <laughs> and and it really can be. Yeah. Take all your big topics and they're civil too. And then you just add a lower burden, right? Like so, Yeah. So make not, it easier. Oh, exactly. I don't know. I, I think it's more interesting than I expected it to be. Right. I won her over. You did. <laughs> Okay, so with our weekly wine, we're going to get, um, now that you know the broad topic. Oh, and got it. Why am I forgetting this? The theme. Oh, yes. Of today, Chelsea's brilliant. Um, as any good trial attorney would yes. do, um, as what we teach, what we were taught, what I teach other students and mock trial students that I have and coaches that finding a theme is the best way to go for so for our theme our overall broad topic of the day chelsea you want to tell us stop talking (laughs) which is like the best legal advice anyone could ever give you in any scenario just stop stop talking (laughs) shut up so that's our theme that's what we're going to go with and we're going to tell you during each place um with each case why people should stop talking um because you can get sued in those statements are going to be blown up in a courtroom <laughs> for everyone to see. Yeah. So, all right, the wine part. This Get is always it. very exciting. We have today a raspberry wine. We okay. we are in Maryland. Yes. And um, so we're in Montgomery County, Maryland. And we practice in Maryland, D.C. and Virginia, but we are physically in Maryland. And we have a Maryland wine Love it. from Mount Airy, which is very close to where we live. It's kind of... According to my husband, I'm very poor with geography. I didn't even know there were mountains in Maryland. <laughs> I don't think it's technically a mountain. Is it just called in? Is it like a big hill? <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> I'm so sorry. And then it's just the, the, the name of the city. But for those of you who are in or from Mount Airy, please describe in the comments exactly whether you consider yourselves <laughs> to have mountains or or hills or no hills at all yes. uh, for both our sakes. <laughs> so Mount Airy has um, Lowe's Winery or Lowe's Vi- Low Vineyards is how I should say it. I need to say it properly. And it this is Maryland Raspberry in Grape. White wine with raspberry. So we both like raspberry, which is why we get to drink it. My husband does not like raspberry at all. So he's like, why don't you use this one? Let's try it out. Yeah, let's do it. So it says it's a sweet blend of white grapes and raspberries served with special delicacies. Loves chocolate. Ooh. So we have chocolate. We have chocolate today. I love it. 
You're going to hear our wrappers for those of you who are listening and not watching. We have Dev Chocolates. Um, so we are because it does love chocolate and we love chocolate. We're going to try to combine the two. You're going to yeah. hear our little wrappers. Um, <laughs> Is that ASMR? <laughs> That's so funny. All right. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to open that, have some chocolate um, and drink some wine. Let's and do it. And cheers. Yes. Let's do our little cheers and big clink. It's a good one. Very nice. You hear my gulp that time? I did. I heard it. Everyone, it's Chelsea's signature gulp. It's only her. That is really good. It is really good. Very good. It is. It's almost like a port. Ooh, yeah. It's, it's very strong flavored. Yes, but not overpowering. It's not overpowering, but it's a stronger fla- flavor like a port to mm-hmm. me. That it's it's not as light. It looks light, but it doesn't feel it, at it's least very to me flavorful. As light. No, no, no. That yeah, makes it is sense. very flavorful. Now it's I don't like it as much as I liked your wine from the other week. <laughs> that wine does some damage. It really does. I should not have had so much. But it was very good. It's All my right. favorite. It's nice. Okay, so what's going on? Tell good me. Good with chocolate. It is good with chocolate. Okay, they're not lying. It does pair well. So I'm just going to be munching over here while you tell me what is happening with Elon Musk. Okay. I mean, there's a lot, but like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is a lot. And the question is what's not happening with Elon Musk is probably the better question. Yes. But for today's purposes, what we're going to talk about is the current trial that he's in in. California, mm-hmm. federal court, and it's based in San Francisco. Okay. And it's based there because that's where Tesla's headquarters are. Oh, okay. And that's why it seems to have been brought there. That makes sense. It is by Tesla stockholders, so shareholders, stock mm-hmm. owners of Tesla Corporation. And it's brought against Tesla and Elon Musk himself. Okay. From the best that I can gather, since I'm not those attorneys and I don't work in California, um, from the news articles, and I think it's fairly clear. I mean, most mm-hmm. of you listening who know about this will have pretty similar viewpoints as to what we do as to what's happening. Mm-hmm. Down and dirty, he made several tweets back in 2018. Oh, that's a while ago. It it was. Um, right? It takes a while for the civil law to crank and to come to fruition. It's a federal system and COVID and yeah. Yes, absolutely. That All of those factors just made everything, extended everything. And of course, because it's Elon Musk, it's going to be extended because there's so much lawyering, so to speak, that's going to be done. They're going to paper each other to death, right? And it's going to take so long to get through all of the motions that have been filed, all of the depositions and discovery that have been done. I can't even imagine. I mean, his legal fees alone. I I can't. I mean, I swear this man is being sued in, like, every state. That's an exaggeration, but, like, truly. It's a lot. Like, going on at the same time, so many lawsuits. I just, I, I don't know how he does it. I mean, yeah. I guess for that rich, like it doesn't matter. You're like, what are you going to do? Legal team. Sue me. <laughs> right. And I mean, people in their business have, they had an ad budget. They yeah. have, you know, cost of employment budget. They have overhead expenses and he has a legal budget. He just budgets it in. I know I'm going to tweet nonsense. So I'm just going to budget in the legal <laughs> fees for it. Must be nice. Well, 
Yeah, and you know, <laughs> that those are the choices. Yes. Um that he has made. And in this case, it is part of his business choice and this is where it gets him is it's a jury trial. Now, he could have settled out, right? Right. Because we know that he did settle out at least one other very similar case. Yes. So with this one, what exactly are the shareholders sort of alleging or like what, you know, cause of action? What are they talking about here? Okay. So it's very similar to the securities fraud um, claim that the SEC brought against him. Him and Tesla sort of individually and then jointly. Yes. Correct. And that one was settled out for $20 million each. Right. Just a cool 40 million. <laughs> right. I mean, I'll just pull that out of my back pocket. Uh, yeah. Pass that's... it along. Yeah. So that one was settled, but it was the same fact pattern where these shareholders, instead of being the SEC, they're Tesla stock owners and they're saying, okay, you defrauded us. And based on the fraud, we, this is very down and dirty. idea of it. Based on this fraud, we purchased or sold Tesla stock during the specific 10-day period in 2018 when these tweets went out. We relied on your statements, Mm -hmm. which were fraudulent, and now we've lost a lot of money from relying on your statements. Okay. Do you know what the statements were? Yes. Hence my trusty (laughs) notes. Um, For those of you who are watching us um, and have been for a little while, I operate by writing and taking copious notes. And (laughs) Chelsea's conveniently not saying anything because she knows our theme is stop talking. And it's better for her not to be saying anything. It's true. Look, Virginia takes enough notes for me and her both. Works, you know, it, we, does. it works for me. Yeah, I just and throw for her. all of my thoughts at you and you write them down. And it's we, great. <laughs> they all come to this. Um, both of our, our ideas come into Brain my waves. notes. Yes. Um, so I'm going to pull those out and we're going to hear a little Russell Russell. Uh, the, <laughs> the notes that I have. Okay, the two particular tweets mm-hmm. that this involves. The first is one that he put out that says, am considering taking Tesla private at $420, funding secured. Ooh. So that's one tweet. And then there's a follow-up tweet that I think goes a little farther, but the first sentence of it is the most important. That same day, he later tweeted a subsequent one saying, investor support is confirmed. Ooh. Those are the two tweets. So what what happened, though, once these tweets went out? My understanding is that rapidly, I think, it, like you said, it was a 10-day period. I think the percentages were like 9 and 11 of like drop and rise in sort of the price of Tesla stock, right? I mean, I don't really understand the stock market all that well, but that's essentially what happened. People were yeah. sort of rushing to either buy or rushing to sell Tesla stock in anticipation of what, you know, going private, going public, whichever. Pu- going private. private. That's what I mean. mm-hmm. <laughs> It's okay. We, we don't do maths, including stock market. Yeah, no. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I think I'm just going to. I trust my Edward Jones consultant. Exactly. I do. Um, advisor. <laughs> I even call her a consultant because I don't know. Um, but yes, mm-hmm. from, 
from the basics, for those who know stock trading much better than us, you're probably laughing at us. Oh, they're cringing. They're like, I'm sure. And that's okay because we're a law show, not a stock show. Not a financial show. Um, So we're saying it in the layman's terms that we understand it, is the market went crazy, right? That shares dropped and and surged. And over 10-day period, they even had to stop trading at one point. They had to freeze it. And all of it was at least begun Mm -hmm. by these tweets. So it sort of initiated Mm -hmm. it. And these investors are saying, because of these tweets... We either purchased or sold, mm-hmm. or both, right? Tesla shares and lost it overall with the the amount of plaintiffs, the right. class action that it was, billions of dollars. So, okay. What I do know about the stock market is that it's always a risk, right? So, how are they it able is. to say, you know, they sort of engaged in the risk of buying and selling stock? How can they bring a suit? Okay, so this gets, ooh, sorry, I'm bumping the table. This gets into, no, please eat your chocolate. I, was, I did not mean to. No, no, I was about that. to eat it, but then I was like, oh no, I'm gonna make noise. Y'all, I'm on another level today. I'm so sorry. It, no, it's, I, your phrase at the beginning really describes our Friday and the end of the week, um, but it's all good. It's absolutely mm-hmm. good. Um, hopefully, you're still listening. <laughs> and we're gonna get to, to more, I swear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the, The way that they're doing this, and this gets back to the fundamentals of civil law and civil actions, okay, is the basics are by bringing a lawsuit, you're bringing Mm -hmm. a tort. You're bringing a civil lawsuit. You did something that cost me money. Yes, or caused me harm. And in this particular case, the harm is I lost money, right? right? That is the harm. You are alleging as a plaintiff that someone else did something to you that wasn't your fault. You did something wrong. It has damaged me and I would like to be paid for that. Yeah. Because ultimately your damages have to have a monetary value for a civil case. And if you want to dig a little bit deeper into this, we have another podcast, Mm -hmm. The Law Unscripted. And we do that on Tuesdays, every Tuesday. But there's one particular episode that we do that really breaks this down in Mm -hmm. much more detail about what is negligence, which is this overall tort. Mm -hmm. What are the the elements of it? What do you have to prove? And that's in what is negligence. That is under that podcast um, title. And you can find that on YouTube or on your podcasting yeah, favorite. Apple, Spotify, all yeah, of them. Your favorite platform. We'll put a link to that in the description yeah. um, for both the the podcast and the YouTube version so that you can find it if you want to dig a little bit deeper. Um, but basically what they're going to have to prove is Elon Musk and Tesla had some kind of duty to us. Okay. They broke their word. Right. They breached that duty. They caused us damages. So it's kind of four different things. The caused us damages mm-hmm. is two parts, that there's a cause to your damages and that there are damages. Okay. So let me see if I'm I'm tracking this, yeah. right? They're saying that sort of Tesla and Elon, I'm just going to refer to them together mm-hmm. for the purposes of this. You had a duty to give out statements that were true and or accurate yeah. You did not do that. And because you were supposed to and you didn't, 
I relied sort of on that. Yes. Detrimentally. Um, <laughs> right. To my detriment. Absolutely. Um, and so you should have to pay for that, right? Like, is that the sort of That's the great simple? breakdown. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if I was his attorney, attorneys, fleet of attorneys at this uh, point. Right. <laughs> Which one? But yes, attorney plural. Would you not just say sort of as a response from his side of like, who would rely on a tweet to make a huge financial decision? Especially one from Elon Musk. Right. Like, is that not the, is that not a defense? It, it, it is exactly the defense that they're doing. Because, I mean, I may not be a financial consultant, but I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to. Would, would you rely on such a tweet? And and that is the statement. And, you yeah. know, the funny, funny, not funny, haha, but the interesting thing about exactly what you're saying is this even goes back to last week's episode where we were talking about President Trump getting sued. Yeah. Okay. Because they're similar, like them, hate them, whichever. And that's part of it's what we're going to talk about. The public figure of it. The very public figure that mm-hmm. is using tweets. Right. Right. Both of them are using tweets and yes. both of them are talking excessively in public. Please stop talking. <laughs> that is Everyone the theme, who's like, a political figure. It's not, and tweeting is included in that. It's a form of speech, right? It is it's a form of talking. And what's happening is people are getting sued because of what they are saying. If you don't say anything, you don't always get su- You don't get sued as much, right? And you certainly just, even if you do get sued, there's not a lot of evidence. Like essentially, yeah. if you're talking all the time, you're giving statements, you're tweeting things, all that is is just bolstering the evidence. That's it. That's yeah. all of. That's what did you say? Oh, here it is. Yeah. Oh, you want? Here's another page. Receipts on receipts on receipts. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. So neither of them stopped talking. And Clearly. Both of them. So for Trump, we were saying that there's this wrongful death civil mm-hmm. suit against him now for what he said or didn't say, yes. um, but especially what he said on the June, January sixth riots. Yeah to create or stir up the crowd and to stir up violence right. is the question there that his defense is going mm-hmm. to rely on is, well, really, how much should people rely on what Trump was saying? Right, like did a reasonable, what a reasonable person. It's kind of mm-hmm. the, I didn't even realize the parallels were that close, but that makes a lot of sense to me, is that in a, you know, sub out these plaintiffs, mm-hmm. would a reasonable person in either of their positions respond the way they did? Yes. And if it, they did, they might have a claim, right? Absolutely. If a reasonable person would have, done, would the have done the same thing, acted in the same way in response to Trump's tweets or his his speech or or the things that he did. Or Elon's. Or yeah. Elon Musk, would a reasonable person have looked at those tweets and thought, wow, now's a good time to invest? Yeah. Or would any reason from his side, the defense is mm-hmm. no reasonable business person would do that, right? But it's not even just a business person. Right, you have, you they really have do have like- who there's at least one in the opening statement oh, so that the the plaintiff's attorney in opening statements was talking about a particular plaintiff who saw these tweets yeah. and for the first time, apparently, it, it seems to be in his life, decided, oh, wow, now's a great time to invest in Tesla, and dropped money down thinking this is going private and there's funding mm-hmm. and I can get 420 a share. And 
it didn't happen. So what he's saying is I would never, I didn't invest before. Mm-hmm. And I certainly had never invested in Tesla before. Wow. But because I heard this businessman who's in charge of this amazing company right. say that he was going to take this private and this was going to be the share value, I believed him. Right. And I did something I would not normally have done, but I'm a reasonable person. Right. Not even a business person. I'm a reasonable investor. I paid enough attention to shares and stocks where I heard this and I thought, now's a good time to invest. Or others who thought, now's a good time to sell. Yeah. I can make some money. Both, at least in this allegation, Mm -hmm. were negatively impacted and lost. Right. And that's because- A lot of money. It really is about the causation. Like, at this point, is not a debate about- the truth of the tweets like that has been decided. So now it really is. They've been determined in a court to be false statements. Yes. Right. You're absolutely right. I was making sure I was like, I don't know if I'm just making that up in my No, that's exactly what's already happened. Okay. So it really is the causation of like, was this the impetus for these people's losses? Yeah. Did it cause them? So there's, there's two factors. There's one is would a reasonable person have relied on them? And believed that this was going to make them money. Mm -hmm. And then because they relied on them, taken steps, bought or sold the stock to try to make that money. But then there's the secondary portion that's still up for grabs for the defense. I don't know how it's going to play out. Right. I will say I think that the plaintiffs have a solid case. Like you said, half of the case is already won. The biggest half, the judge has already decided in the plaintiff's favor right. that at least the investor support is confirmed was a false statement, yes. that it's been pre-decided in opening statement. The plaintiff's attorney told the jury, the yeah. judge has already decided that this was a false statement. Absolutely. And that it was made with reckless disregard for the truth. So that's already decided. So duty, he had a duty because Mm -hmm. he is the CEO or was the CEO of Tesla at that time. Look, I took business administration. (laughs) If you are a CEO, you have a duty to your shareholders. Yeah. And you have at the very least, very minimal duty to be truthful. To not lie. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I I mean, it seems basic, but just in case you didn't know, that's your minimum duty as a CEO for your shareholders is don't lie. Um, and if you can't not lie, don't talk. Yeah. That, right? right. Like, that's the thing. That's why it's the theme. All of this could have been avoided by them just shutting up. Like, you don't need you don't to. Have look, to. I'm guilty of this. I do. I like a good tweet. I like to send out my thoughts. But no face, no case. Like, not, not tweets that I would yeah. be like, well, I'm just confessing to a crime. Like, oh, my God. Right. Or not a crime or like whatever it is. Yeah. So, I mean, there are those too. <laughs> yeah, there, there are definitely those. Um, that's happening on TikTok right now. Um, yes, that was sort of the, <laughs> the, the inspiration. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of inspiration from TikTok this week. Um, but, but yes, so the, the issue for him is he did say something. Yes. Okay. So he had a duty. He breached that duty. The question is, were his tweets... And some of the words that he said were the mm-hmm. false statements. The reason these people lost money. Interesting. Is there another reason that the market would have fluctuated? 
and done such high lows, highs and lows and had the erratic behavior for a stock market over the next 10 days. Is there another reason it would have done that? And even if it was a part of the cause of the Mm -hmm. market fluctuation, was it all of it? So, okay. And I think this is the part that gets, we've talked about this before, sort Mm -hmm. of battle of the experts type of situation. I'm assuming, I like to try to think through this. Um, like, how do you prove these? Especially things like this. They're very complicated. This do you is. just hire someone who's like an ex, like investment banker or some sort of expert about stocks come in and say, well, you know, normally it would fluctuate by whatever percentage. And then, yeah. however, like, you know, historically or normally or whatever. And this is the, you know, maybe it's 3%. It went up to seven. There's a 4% unusual change and then he might be responsible for sort of some percentage based on that i think that's what they're gonna have to do um we are going to be watching it over the next couple weeks it's projected to three weeks now they could settle out at any time and stop it so it could be stopped but assuming it goes on it's Mm -hmm. projected for about three weeks so we're gonna hit it at least at least in passing with updates over the next couple weeks but I, I don't see any other way they can do it. Yeah. Is the, in my mind, it's exactly what you're saying, is they have to put on at least one expert. To say. To show for the plaintiffs that there are, these are normal market, there are certain normal market fluctuations. Right. There are reasons um, that the market behaves the way that it does. Here's how Tesla's shares were behaving before these statements. Right. Here's how we normally would have predicted them to continue behaving without the statements. And here's what happened. Here's what happened. Here's the actual fluctuations. And here's what we believe would have happened without them. Um, Here's how we believe that some percentage would have been caused for just the flurry of we may be going private. Yeah. And that's what they're going to have to say is, okay, well... Right, Even it, if he had just tweeted out, we might be going private, that would have caused a stir. Yeah. That would have caused buying and selling and more trading and fluctuations. And the plaintiff says, no, no, no. It's because he said he had a buyer, right? He said yeah. he had financing. So even if causation is sort of determined to say, yep, we think this caused damages, then you know Elon's team is, like you said, going to try to mitigate the amount of those damages and say, well, anything he tweets changes the market. Um, And so, I mean, I thought that makes sense to me. It does. But then you have, I also, this is the fun part of this. You just have normal people on a jury hearing all of this, right? Yeah. Nine people on a jury. So in California, it's not 12 people. 12 people is for Criminal. criminal. In the areas we practice, it's six members of a civil jury. But in California, it's nine. So they have nine members of a jury sitting regular people. And honestly, I I saw some, we saw some about the jury selection. And there wasn't much in the news as far as what kind of employment the jurors, prospective jurors had. But as someone who has chosen juries... I would do everything I could on either side to to take out anyone with a lot of experience in stock market trading. Oh, for sure. And I think that his Elon's team had filed a motion for like a change of venue because they're like, we can't get a we can't get a fair trial. 
um, in San Francisco. San Francisco, yeah. Right? You know, there, there's too many tech people here. We can't get a, um, a fair trial. Everybody knows who Elon is. It doesn't matter where in the country you're going. <laughs> That's what the judge said. I love this judge um, because he basically said um, everyone knows yes. who Elon Musk is. And if you're the defense, the, the judge is saying, well, you also have a lot of people who love Elon Musk. Yes. So wherever you go, you're going to get two very exaggerated thoughts, so to speak, because he's a very polarizing person. Yeah, I think just normal people have very polarized opinions about him. Yeah, there aren't too many in-betweens, and the judge is saying, okay, you're going to have the extremes of the people who hate him, but you're going to have the other extreme of the people who love him. And so we talked a little bit about this earlier. It's not just, especially in a case like this that is so high profile, they're not just asking jurors, do you know who Elon Musk is? Do you have any opinions about him? Because- Pretty much everybody you're going to call in a jury pool is going to answer yes to both of those. Most likely. It would be hard. You'd be hard pressed to find someone who did not know who Elon Musk is or at least not know what Tesla is. Yeah. And then, you know, then say, well, if you know that Elon Musk is associated with Tesla, do you have opinions about him? I, I mean, it's hard to find someone like that. But that's what I thought was interesting is those really aren't the questions they're saying. Mm-mm. Even with whatever opinion you have, can you be fair? That is the question. It's not, do you already have some sort of thoughts about him? And there's a couple of really great quotes oh, from some, some of the- there were some good lines. That one woman I loved. She, not to butcher the quote, but she essentially <laughs> said, yes, yeah, she had some opinions about Elon before coming in. She didn't really like him. But she thought she could be fair because at some point you don't like everybody. And she said, sometimes I don't even like my husband. Oh, my God. Icon. I like this woman. <laughs> She's my personal hero because that it's is hysterical. some honesty and some hilarious honesty. I mean, I would want her on a jury. If you're going to be honest like Either that. Either side, done on my jury. Do not do not take her off. Right, because she- She's going to say what she thinks. That's what I would want. She's being honest. Yeah. She's being more honest than the jurors you never hear from. Right. The jurors who who don't say anything. I have never had a thought before this moment, actually. Well, until you get into the actual jury, and then you have a ton of thoughts that I never heard. You never told me, so I didn't know. I have tried to sneak on, not sneak, but like gotten (laughs) called for, I wanted to be on a jury so bad. You guys don't understand. So... I mean, clearly, if you've listened to any of these or spoken to me, I have a lot of opinions about basically everything. (laughs) And they're very strong. (laughs) She does. I also have like a face that is very expressive. I was trying so hard. It was some, I'll never forget it, because I got all the way to like, they were cutting, essentially like cutting people each thing. And Mm -hmm. we get into the courtroom. There's like 20 of us. And I'm like, oh my God, this is it. I'm going to be on a jury. I was so excited. (laughs) Like I was so excited. (laughs) And then they start talking about, like, it was almost like mini opening statements of, like, what it was going to be about. Mm-hmm. And it was some big, like, trucking transportation company who killed this, like, grandma because uh. they didn't do their jobs right. Or, you know, it was like something was wrong with the truck that was, like... A wrongful death. Oh, right. Like, a wrongful death. And I just couldn't control my face. Like, I had to be looking at them, like, every time, like, this company's attorneys got up, I was just, like, side-eyeing. I was gone. I was the first one gone out of the courtroom. I was so <laughs> upset about it. Yeah. Um, as an attorney, I would watch out for you. I would I have to learn how to control my face. Because even if you never say anything, if I can see you, I would absolutely strike you. Even if it's not for cause. They 
literally the first one in the room. They're like, you're gone. And I was like, strike. yes, <laughs> I was so offended. I was like, please, no, please. I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think, I think they're doing the best they can. I love at least the, the people we heard. Yes. Um, I think he's got the best chance. Both sides have the best chance of a fair trial that they're going to get. Yeah. Um, We'll be absolutely fascinated to hear more of how the trial progresses as far as the causation issues as to did those particular statements cause right. the behavior? Um, were they reasonable in relying on the statements? See, that's the one where I think, and, I mean, as someone who doesn't know anything about this, that to me seems like the strongest argument, but I don't know. It It's a decent one. But the plaintiffs, all they have to show is that more likely than not, right? These st- a reasonable person would have relied on these untrue statements yeah. to to buy or sell the stock, and that they were damaged. Yeah. And I think the best case that the defense can make in this case is to limit that damage. To yeah. say, okay, well, there would have been some volatility anyway, even if Musk had just put out part of the statement, mm-hmm. even if he had just said. I'm considering going private, that there still would have been some fluctuation. You still would have lost some money, but not as much so that they decrease the value. And then even if it's, okay, well, we don't find Tesla or Elon 100% at fault. Like, you know, there is some personal accountability of like you chose to do it. Um, That could factor in, right? It could. Yeah. The defense is going to have to basically say, well, you didn't have to buy any stock. Right. You didn't have to do any, anything. That to you me, didn't have to be a shareholder. Maybe I'm done. That's very convincing to me of being like, this is not a reasonable decision, right? Like that's very convincing to me. We'll see what other people think. But if I was on the jury, I'd be like, yeah, I don't know, man. I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, but it's you but know, a reasonable like, person who is considering the stock market. Right. In any way. I mean, people bought McDonald's back in the day and they didn't ever buy stock before. Right. And now look at McDonald's. So it's, yeah. you know, the the question of a reasonable person is going to be a good one to follow. Right. And the, these are the topic. These are the, the pieces of the case that will have to be proved. Yes. And these are the things that will need to be considered. These are the things we expect to see over the next couple weeks. Yeah. We will touch back on those Absolutely. next week, give you an update as to what's happening that we know about mm-hmm. um, from what we can find. I will not be able to listen all day, every day <laughs> of my work day to what's happening. Um, but for when I can, I will be listening and we'll, we'll grab the pieces. I love it. So now we are going to hop over to the second topic of today, which is this crazy case in Louisiana. This is nuts. And I think that when I brought this up, this woman was serving as a confidential informant Mm -hmm. for the sheriff's office in a parish in Louisiana. Yeah. They essentially gave her a microphone and a camera, like a tiny, you know, just like you would see on like law and order type of camera. Yeah. To go into this known drug dealer's home and purchase drugs um, while having that. It seems that she was under the impression that the video feed was being monitored live. Well, we don't know if she had the impression. We know that it, we know it wasn't monitored live, but I don't know what her impression was. That's true. I I phrased that wrong. Is that there seemed to be just, we don't, I mean, we don't really know. And because of what happened, 
her name has not been publicly released, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, when she went in to make the buy, she was assaulted violently. Um, and the police who are sort of sitting a block down. Yeah. Didn't, didn't know and didn't do anything because they didn't know. Yeah. So Ooh. she has sued. That was back in January of 2021. Mm-hmm. And she has now sued for damages. Um, the allegations, another civil lawsuit tort. She's alleging that the police department mm-hmm. specific individual players had a duty of care to her. Yes. And that because the camera was not live, right. um, that they breached that duty mm-hmm. and they did not help her right. when they could have. And she was sexually assaulted twice yeah. and very, very violently. From all the reports that we've seen, um, there were local officials who were saying it was kind of the most brutal account or assault that they have seen in their careers. What I think is interesting is that we've talked about this a couple of times. Duty is not usually the issue. It's not usually the issue. It's usually causation. This is interesting because, and again, the the video that sort of spurned this conversation on TikTok, they say it. The police don't really owe a general duty to protect and serve, as this TikTok video said. It's a slogan. Um, It is, but it's not a general duty to every single public the member of the public. Right. So to owe a duty in this situation, you have to have some sort of specialized relationship, right? Yeah. You have to have created not just your average person on the street, but you have to have created a different special relationship with this person to be able to create a duty to that person for their care. So that's what she's sort of alleging in the suit is that because she was a confidential informant, she did have a specialized relationship with the police officers. And that, from my understanding, seems to vary a lot whether or not that is true. State to state jurisdiction, a lot. There's a lot of sort of, not one answer to whether or not that is considered a specialized relationship. Yeah, it's, that's going to be a hard one. Mm -hmm. In the, the face of this, the, the response and even my gut responses, of course they did. They, yeah. they sent her in there. They, they wired her up. Yes. They, they put that camera on. They, they put it on and sent her in there. To someone they knew. Like, it was mm-hmm. someone they specifically wanted to arrest. Yeah. And they asked her specifically. It wasn't like, just go find anybody. You know, who, it was go into this person's home. Yes. Um, I, and it, yeah, so it seems like a specialized relationship to me. This wasn't someone who walked in off the street and Mm-mm. says, I want to be a confidential informant. So Sign the, me up. Yeah. yeah. The way that confidential informants work usually is that there's someone who is facing a charge right. of their own. And in this particular case, apparently there were felony drug charges that she was facing. I think it was possession. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and what they do is there's a discussion that's had, whether they volunteer or suggest it, yeah. or whether the police say, oh, well, we have a way for mm-hmm. us to figure this situation out. Right. They sign up with the police to become a confidential informant where they have an agreement where they will do specific things for the police in order to get police information, the police, the information that they want. And by doing these things that they work off some of these charges, they will knock Mm -hmm. a felony down to a misdemeanor. They will get rid of charges. Depends on the deal that they make. But generally the confidential informant relies 
on the deal. Yes. Right? That they believe that they are going to get the deal mm-hmm. that the police says will drop your felony down to a misdemeanor. Right. I don't know if that was the deal, but well, yeah, we don't, we don't know what the deal is. Hypothetically, I'll drop your felony down to a misdemeanor if you go into that guy's house, make this buy for us, catch right. it on camera. So she says, okay, and she agrees. Yes. And takes this risk by going in putting on a camera Mm -hmm. in hopes that if she does this, catches it on camera and comes back that hypothetically she'll get the deal, whatever the the deal is. So this is what's usually set up. And the reason, the big reason I say this is I'm going to call out somebody else that I I love. Um, I love Joe Kenda. Okay. (laughs) Chelsea knows this Lieutenant Joe Kenda. I love him. Um, for those of you who don't know him, he's on the ID channel and he's the homicide hunter. And <laughs> Chelsea's laughing. I am obsessed with him and his shows. He is the most salty, funny, like weathered old, <laughs> weathered old detective, homicide detective mm-hmm. who has the most fascinating career. Um, and they did a whole like eleven series or something, something mm-hmm. um, on his. That is so Cases and career. And one of the things that keeps resonating with me about this case is he has said multiple times on this show, mm-hmm. through multiple seasons, of one of the riskiest jobs you will ever have is as a confidential informant. And he says this over and over. And there's yeah. one, I wish I could remember the quote. I should have looked it up. But there's another quote of it, where he talks about not only is it risky, but it's a game of Russian roulette. You are, you know, you are really risking your life. You confidential informants don't live long. I mean, there's right. a lot of these statements that he makes of how risky it really is, whether you're a one-time yeah. informant or a long-time informant that you're playing in this world. Mm-hmm. You're not informing on a local, you know, church. What hymn did they sing that right. that Sunday morning? You're informing on drug buys, Mm -hmm. sex operations. And usually it is people Mm -hmm. who are at a lower level. So like this woman, our understanding is that she has some sort of substance abuse issues, Um, but she's not like the distributor. We don't know that though. Do we? All of her charges said possession. So I'm assuming. I'm assuming. And and our assumption, we are believing that she was low level, but this is what's going to have to be shown in the case is what is her level of involvement right. in the drug trade in in Rapids County, yeah. Louisiana, or Rapids Parish, Louisiana, is what was her affiliation yes, with yeah. the that was drug an assumption world. On my, that was an assumption on my part. And it's a good assumption. Especially because we don't know her name because, you know, we don't like right. to publish the names of people who have been sexually assaulted. Of course. Um, so that's definitely, I will say that, good caveat. Yeah. It's my assumption that, you know, you don't sort of get the, the kingpin to inform on himself, right? Like you get yeah. people who are sometimes lower, right? That's why they want to make the deal, is that as a prosecutor or someone who's concerned about public safety, you'd much rather take the high-level person than get, you know, like a possession or a drug paraphernalia charge. That is generally the way that right. it goes. Generally, Lower level players are mm-hmm. used to catch higher level players. Right. 
that's generally how it happens. Every once in a while, you get a high player. Right, right, right. And you send them after another high player. But yes, generally, mm-hmm. it's the lower level. I was a prosecutor in Newport News, Virginia, um, which Newport News, Virginia was in the news recently. Last week um, we talked about it. Last week we talked about that, too. So yeah. for Trump and Newport News, find that from last week's episode. Yeah. Um, but while I was a prosecutor, I, I was on the drug, guns, and gangs team. And we worked with a lot of confidential informants. So I know a a fair amount about this world as much as I can. I was a prosecutor, not a detective. So most of my work with confidential informants was I would get those videos. Right. Right. I would be the one that detective comes in and says, here, Virginia, here's the video. I need you to figure out what charges you're going to that do. was my question. I was going to say, is it sort of the detect in, in these scenarios? I don't know. Is it the detective sort of recommending a charge to you as the prosecutor? Is that how it generally goes? Generally, because for the CI, not for, for whoever they're video. Well, but. both. Okay. It was often both because they would the only they can only enforce a deal if the prosecutor does it. Right. Because the prosecutor it's is the only the one who has one authority to who do that. has the authority sure. to change, drop, or make a charge. Right. Charge. Um, but especially amend or drop a charge. Right. And the judge then has to order it. But the prosecutor is the only one who can really recommend it. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I knew that for sure. I just meant sort of in the practical things. Mm-hmm. Like, how to, is that usually how it plays out? Is it, you know, the detective says, hey, I'm working with the CI. They were arrested for this. Is there any way we could get it to this? Like, what is that sort of dynamic like? That's part of okay. it. Is they have to say, would you approve this? And sometimes they do it before the buys. I would. That would make the most so sense. So sometimes to me. they come in and they say, "Look, would you approve this?" Yeah. Yes, I'd approve this. Um, sometimes they'll have us go into the interviews with them and say, "Give us the information." Then, as the prosecutor, I would be in there and I would approve certain agreements or deals before okay. they even go in. Other times, they would do the buys without me. I would have no idea that this was happening. Wow. They'd bring it in and say, "We would like to give this person this deal." Are you in agreement? And by the way, did you watch the video? Yeah. What charges do you want to do there? And we'd bring it before a grand jury. Because we don't want to just go, especially if it's a higher player, we don't want to just go arrest the person because then they'd go through lower court first. Mm -hmm. And we would have to do a preliminary hearing. Okay. And I would have to produce my confidential informant at the preliminary hearing. I don't want to produce my confidential informant at the preliminary hearing. I don't want to produce them at all, but they're confidential for a reason. Right. And if I just bring them to court every time there's a court proceeding, I've now burned my confidential informant, right? I can't use them anymore. And now they're at a higher risk because they've just testified in court. Right. So if I'm going to use a confidential informant in a trial, Mm -hmm. I'm going to direct indict one of the higher players that's interesting. Using the testimony in grand jury testimony, not in public testimony. Right. Are you blown away? I just, okay, like these are things I know. We talk about this all the time. I know these things we're talking about sort of in the in the law school way of it, of like I understand what a grand jury is. I understand what all of these things are. But I guess I've never really like thought through the steps of like how you would do this. So yeah. I am very interested in this. These are the practical sides. These are practical. Because like I said, everything you're talking about, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yep, I, I know that. I understand that. But I guess I've just never had the opportunity to like think through everything you would have to do. That makes a lot of sense. Though. Yeah. So that's, and then you hope to make a deal so that you don't have to burn your informant. Um, because you don't, 
generally the idea is you actually care for the people yeah. that, you know, that whether you have a duty, I don't know, but Here's where we get to the don't talk. Okay, well, we're coming back to our I want to go to duty first because yes, I'm... Yes, go to duty and then we're going to get yes. back to the theme. Please This is go my to last duty. comment on it because, mm-hmm. you know, I have to give my strong opinions. Please do. My sarcastic sort of tongue-in-cheek argument would be, well, if there's not a special relationship, are they putting that much camera equipment? Are they going to get... Like, that is money. That is money. That equipment mm-hmm. is money. You're just going to put equipment worth, what, a couple hundred thousand dollars on a random person? You're not going to do that. There is a relationship. And... It's, that's the best argument. I, I mean, it really is. That's all is, I can think of. Did <laughs> they have at least told her in some way or another that they're right. going to protect her? Right. right. I, I don't think she nor any other person no. would go into that kind of situation without an idea of there would be protection. Now, some of them do. And I will say there are some that, especially more men, um, who are confidential informants is they'll be like, look, I'll just go do this by, I'll mm-hmm. go down to the street. I'll hook up with Joe and do this by, right. um, but to go into an actual dealer's house, um, to send them in, mm-hmm. especially as a woman for a man that had an extensive criminal background. Yes. We don't know exactly, but the, mm-hmm. the report said three decades worth of charges. And what I sort of had the question of, and we don't have an answer mm-hmm. to is, is this three decades of only drug charges, which or would be crimes. shocking. I think for someone who's in the drug trade for 30 years to not have any violent crimes would yeah. be surprising, but I think it's a much different conversation. If this person had a, a history convictions for assault or sexual assault and she knew that, did she know that? Right. right. You know, is what was the record? The was one, she aware? Is she the one that said, I know a guy, mm-hmm. I'll go into his house and I'll make this buy. Yes. Or were they the ones that said, I know this guy, I know this house, I want you to go there. That's right. going to be a lot of the questions is how mm-hmm. did this get set up? Who instigated it? Who right. suggested it? Who said it was this person, this house, this time? And did she know or appreciate the risks right. that she was getting into? Um, right, now, like it's inherently risky yeah. to buy drugs from a drug dealer. Like, I don't think that's sort of at, at, at issue here, but I do think, you know, as someone who has not been a confidential informant and not bought drugs to me, there is a very different risk from someone who yeah. has, okay, they have a, a long criminal record, but it's all sort of drug crimes. You know, they've stolen things, they've sold drugs versus someone who has 30 years worth of like assaults. Right. Like that is a very different scenario. So what did they know? Uh, You know, presumably he's a bigger player, which is why they were using a confidential informant to get a video of him. If they knew, I mean, let's be honest, all police officers should know that drug dealers, the things you find on them the most. And the reason you recognize them as a drug dealer is how many phones do they have on them? How many guns do they have on them? How much cash do they have on them? I mean, right, like just common sense. I have, have never been a drug dealer <laughs> to clarify, but I'm saying I would not sell drugs without a gun. Right. Like to me, like, again, not, not that I've done this, but that would seem ludicrous to me. Yes. To meet up with people who are, who want drugs mm-hmm. and just have no way to defend yourself. That's, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I'm it sorry. <laughs> and maybe that's like a dumb statement, but like, I don't see like why. <laughs> yeah. I wonder that. That sounds risky. So did they 
by suiting her up with mm-hmm. any kind of equipment and agreeing to a deal with her. Right. Figuring out where she was going to go, telling her to go there. Did they create a special relationship that rises to the level of a duty to her? Yeah. Um, and the other question is, did they breach it? What was the what was the actual duty they owed versus the perceived duty? Yeah. The perceived duty is, dude, you got to come in and help me. Right. And you this know, is where we get to the stop talking. Because apparently... For everyone, uh, from Tesla CEO to local sheriff's officers, just like to run their mouths, for lack of a better word. And we have plenty of statements that I think, even if, you know, the evidence sort of is not as conclusive, I think these statements, they look terrible. And it, so we do know there was some sort of conversation that she was in there for too long. Mm Mm-hmm. And the two officers who were in the vehicle discussed her being in there for too long, um, kind of mulled around the idea of going in and didn't. Yeah. And this is not the most egregious part, but that, to me... It's still rough. It's bad. Maybe maybe they should have. Maybe, and they... But that shows that they, like, consciously... It wasn't even like, oh, we thought this was a normal time for a buy. No, like, that is actual knowledge... Something was something was different than that, normal. Yeah, that that it was different. It was taking too long. But then mm-hmm. there's the secondary part. Oh my which gosh! Which is and one of the people individually named in this lawsuit is mm-hmm. retired Lieutenant Mark Parker, yeah. um, who was apparently the ranking ranking official who was overseeing the entire yes. buy operation. And according to um, the web. I think it's Associated Press. Yes, the Associated Press. Thank you. It is the Associated <laughs> Press. That the quote that he made, mm. um, I don't know if it, I think it was in response to this lawsuit. Yes, they gave statements to the Associated <laughs> Press investigative reporter. That's where it came from. Is, and, and this is why I have my notes and on a bar table. We've, quote, we've always done it this way. She was an addict. And we just used her as an informant like we've done a million times before. Um, um, that's part of it. The final part is looking back, it's easy to say, what if, end quote. But truly shocking. So, I mean, he's talking about her like she's not a person. Right. Like just the whole tone of it is like, oh, she's just an addict. We just use them. Gross, 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 gross. Yeah. What, what do they expect? What, this is supposed to happen to them? Right. This is... A common thing. We expect this. We're okay with this. That is the total tone of it, right? I understand that sort of being a confidential informant has inherent risk. I don't think that there's any way to have have informants without some danger and probably Mm -hmm. some people being harmed. But this? This? And just just to like double down on it and be like, yeah, it happened. She's an addict. What was supposed to happen? Gross. Yeah. So gross. That, yeah. Good thing he's we, retired. We just used her as an informant. Well, that doesn't mean that an We've informant done a million should other be, times. Right. It doesn't mean that this is the way that things should happen or the no. things that should happen to an informant. Um, they do take on certain risks, but was one of the risks that she was supposed to take on getting sexually assaulted? I don't know. Yeah. And I think that, and I don't know, you can tell me if this would sort of factor in. After this incident... And like not when the suit was filed, because that's recent. But right. after the incident, they upgraded all of their technology yes. to have the sort of live transmission. Mm-hmm. 
Seems like you knew you were in the wrong if that's your first move right after this happens. And that's why there are evidence rules. Um, a lot of civil law and civil mm-hmm. evidence rules um, or evidence rules that affect civil cases. Oh, is this a thing where you can't penalize them for taking... Yes, retroactive. We, right, we want to encourage people to fix the issue. Right. So <sighs> a lot of times you're not allowed to ask especially mm-hmm. in front of a jury, whether they fixed an issue or changed an issue or did something different after right. the fact. Because there is an inclination that would prejudice a jury that would say, well, if you fixed it, you did have a problem. Right. If you changed it, you knew you had a problem. Well, not necessarily. So there's a lot of evidentiary rules. I don't know the evidence in Louisiana, Mm-mm. which is a different system than yes, most they have of a, their whole, it the is country. Very different. Very, very different evidentiary system. Very different court system. They're based more on the Napoleonic Code. Is that what it is? That's my understanding. But th- yeah, like they are the only state that has their judicial system and legal system sort of set up differently, right? Like it's yeah. just them. Yeah, they're um, different. If you know um, anybody who's an attorney in Louisiana, let us know because... See if you can... Co- yeah, if there's a Louisiana attorney yeah. who can comment on this, we would love to hear it. Um, because these are just our general impressions based yeah. on the normal normal civil law, at least what we have in Maryland, D.C., right. and Virginia. And I think most of the states. Um, and yeah. then just some criminal law. I will... Um, I'm going to save... Maybe we come back to this one. I have a couple more stories to throw yeah. in, but we're at that hour mark. Okay. And I hate to go too much over, respecting what else you have to do on a Friday night. Um, but I... And I, I don't want to miss our little... Yes. Fun thing at the end. But what I do want to wrap up to say is that whatever has happened here, mm-hmm. it is absolutely appalling that she was victimized. Yes. Whether it's the police department's fault, so yeah. to speak, legally, I don't know. Yeah. But it sure feels like there like should be somebody. Something should have yeah. been done differently. And it, it it is not uncommon or was not uncommon. Mm-hmm. And I will say when I was prosecuting in um, 2012 to 14 mm-hmm. in Newport News, we didn't have many live videos either. Really? We just didn't. It, it wasn't the thing to do at the time. It mm. was while I was there was the first time police officers were wearing body-worn camera. Wow. It was the first time. Back in 2013, 2014, we were yeah. on the cusp of... Body-worn camera. Now it's like everybody wears body-worn cameras, but they forget how recent it was. It was 2013, 2014, where we started to see police using body-worn cameras. Newport News was one of the pilot programs. Wow. And Teaser came in and trained us all and showed us how it was going. I mean, we were one of the few jurisdictions in the whole country that started it. Yeah. So police didn't even wear body-worn cameras that have live action. Right. And even the body-worn cameras, let's face it, it's live, but who watches it live? Yeah, like, are you paying an officer to sort of sit there and just watch it? Police officers, even with the body-worn cameras, record what's happening, and then we watch it later. Yeah. So let's be honest, when looking Mm -hmm. at this, even police officers don't have real-time cameras. Right. This is not like the they have record. law and order criminal minds of them in a van outside the right. house. Like, you know, right? Like ideally that would be great. That would be fantastic. It would be best practices. Yes. And maybe truly something seems like it could have been done differently yeah. or should have been done differently. Um, I hope for this woman's sake that she can get something 
from someone. I don't know who yeah. it's going to be and what she's going to have to prove specifically for Louisiana. I I will say it is a tragic case. Mm-hmm. It, it has so many marks on civil law and criminal yeah. law, on confidential informants, drug deals, um, right. all of that it touches. Yeah. And yeah. it's a very risky very risky world, but mm-hmm. it shouldn't have been that. Right. No matter what risk they were taking. So on the sad note, we're going to pop over to Chelsea to yes. give us just a snippet of the other random thing in the news <laughs> on our theme of stop, stop talking. talking. <laughs> so this is what I am very, very excited about. Um, and I will preface this with saying there's a lot that has not been confirmed. So this is not saying that this is true or this is not. But if you have seen the news recently, there are reports that have been coming out yesterday and today that Carol Baskin's husband is alive. And if you don't know who Carol Baskin is, I'm going to need to rewind you back to 2020. Yes. It is the beginning of covid Tiger King is out. We have Joe Exotic. We have, <laughs> we have Carol we have Baskin. All the you're like, you're on TikTok. It was like, killed her husband, whacked him, loved it, thought it was hysterical. A whole song? Whole song. A song and dance routine on there. We are now, and Tiger King 2 has come out, which is the second part. I have not seen that. I haven't. Um, I didn't see either. I think I'm one <laughs> of the very few people in America that didn't even watch the first one. It was so bad, I couldn't look away. I think that was the problem, right? <laughs> but... And this is, like I said, yesterday and today, reports that her husband has been found alive in Costa Rica. And that some letter from uh, the Department of Homeland Security confirms this. I'm not saying this is true. We don't have the letter. We haven't seen such a letter. We don't know if it actually exists. Well, there's like a, there's like a blurry picture of it. So that is not authenticated. But if true, if true... All the people who ran their mouths about her killing her husband and feeding him to the tigers. <laughs> I don't know how I just said that. It's so horrible. Face. It's so horrible that I'm laughing over the possibility that someone was killed and fed to tigers. I'm sorry. That's what Joe Exotic, that was his whole bit. He yeah. was like, she cut this man up and <laughs> fed him to the tigers. And that's why there's no evidence. I mean, so many people believed it. Still believe it. Uh, some people still believe it. I would also like to say, I think if this is true, right? The defamation and libel, like there yeah. is, like, I, I just think that would be a strong case personally. It is such a strong case. If this man pops up and they can prove it all yes. of these years and they can prove that he is alive. Yes. Yes. So many possibilities for a lawsuit for defamation and libel. Because, I mean, yeah, people were not just hinting at it. There were plenty of people who were like, Carol Baskin killed her husband and fed him to tigers, just like that. They were were stating it as truth. Yes, including, this is so, I like to be nosy on the internet. So I'm like, okay, I wonder if Joe Exotic has heard about this. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Well, he has, and through his attorney, um, who... I have a lot of feelings about attorneys putting out their own personal opinions about their clients, whatever. I found Joe Exotic's attorney's Facebook. Okay. <laughs> Deep dive on the internet. I like to be the FBI. Um, <laughs> and he is still maintaining this is all a lie. This is all fake. Which again, those are real serious things to say. He, they're stating them as truth. Stating as them as truth. truth. And they are still There's maintaining no that... that 
<laughs> killed her husband Watkin. Like they're still maintaining that. Um, so I would be very curious to see if this can be proven. And if so, if she does sue people, because she would have, I think, a very strong claim if she did. Um, For so, defamation of I mean, character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how much it doesn't get worse than, that than saying you're a murderer and how is my character not affected for how many decades yeah. have people been saying that she's a murderer right you can't say much worse about a person i don't think so i mean you're a pedophile you're i mean yeah. but it's not much yeah. else that's as bad and as like, that's you're so a murderer graphic too she's like right it's not like you just offed him no, you fed like, him to lions tigers right bears Isn't i mean like <laughs> So not animal abuse? <laughs> no. All of these things. It's I mean, it's absolute defamation of character. You yes. cannot have been maligned more. So yeah, if if it comes out that he is alive. She should get an attorney. Then there it is. <laughs> she should get an attorney. And our advice of today is stop talking. Keep your mouth shut. Y'all, it's so much easier to not have a lawsuit. Uh, prevent a lawsuit, prevent a, a charge, yeah. prevent so many things if you just don't talk. Um, you have the right to not say anything. <laughs> just don't. You should exercise that right. right. Um, sometimes it's best not to speak. That is the mm-hmm. wise decision. We are asking you to consider your thoughts. Um, many people should consider this advice. Yep. And um, yeah, <laughs> keep your mouth shut. <laughs> That's what we have. Like us, follow us, subscribe. Um, If you're on YouTube, rate us. We would love to get some comments. Um, We would love to know your thoughts and opinions. Please put them down. Um, Wine suggestions as well. Yes. Topic suggestions. Wine suggestions, topic suggestions. We hit them based on the weekly topics, but if there's something in particular you're seeing that you want a little bit more explanation on um, or discussion on, we're happy to do that. Um, We are grateful to the people who have kind of spurred us into some of these discussions. Um, today we'll put a little call out to them in our descriptions, but do we, if you want to hear more, please like, and subscribe. And that way others can also find out more about us Mm -hmm. in the show and be exposed to it. Follow us next week, which should be January 27th, if we've done our calendar and our math right. The wine helped your math improve. Maybe it did. (laughs) So find out which wine we're drinking next week. Find out what cases are going on. Follow us for an update on the Elon Musk trial. And that is, that's the end of the Legal Weekly Wine brought to you by Tarani Law, LLC. Because you never need a lawyer. Till you do.